time ago, I think when I was about six in grade, grade one, Anne used to take me to school. I used to go and play at the Hotchkiss house. So that's going back uh, 50-odd years. So I've known Anne a very, very long time. What a morning. What a morning. What worship. What richness of leading us to the table. I mean, I feel completely inadequate now. <laughs> it can only get better. Brendan last week and Brendan this, this morning is preaching at uh, Calvary Chapel at Highbury. So he's preaching there this morning. But last week he shared about uh, us not losing the joy of our salvation. And he looked at a couple of things. The first key thing was that we needed to know God. We needed to know the creator of the heavens and the universe and how much he, how big he is, how awesome he is, how holy he is, how righteous he is. We need to know that. The first thing we had to do was know him. And then secondly, to know that we were created in his image to bring glory to him. We needed to know ourselves. And if we... If there is anybody here losing the joy of your salvation and with the pressures of life and the, and the onslaught of heresy and onslaught of just uh, so much negativity in the world, if we'd have done nothing else today but what we've done already, that would be, that would be fine. You should, we should all go out with joy. We should all be singing that song, It is well with my soul because of what happened on the cross, because of what Jesus has done. You and I were created for glory, it says in Isaiah chapter 43. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him, yes, I have made him. You and I were created to glorify God. You were created for glory. From all eternity, God made us to behold and to reflect His glory. And we see uh, in Psalm 51, we see David. He's fallen short of the glory of God. This is a man after God's own heart. The scriptures talk about him. He was chosen. He was anointed to be king. He walked with, he walked with God. And yet he blew it. And yet he messed up. And yet he committed adultery. He committed murder. He lied. And one of the consequences of sin is sin separates us. It separates us from God. And so in Psalm 51, he says, Purge me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. That's what we've been celebrating this morning in the table. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit for me, from me. 
Restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with your generous spirit. Isn't it lovely? God's spirit is generous. God's spirit is kind. God's spirit is wanting to forgive. The blood of Abel was crying out for justice. And God provided justice and mercy for us. Isn't that exciting? So the scripture says, For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. If sin is falling short of the glory of God, then restoration from sin is necessarily restoration to glory. So we've been restored to glory as we've come and we've partaken of this table and we've uh, gone through the whole, this whole ritual and we've realized what He did on the cross. You and I go out into this world full of glory, carrying glory, carrying Jesus. You and I were created to be a dwelling place of a dwelling God. That's what I shared on last time. You and I carry God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in us. And we are worth so much to God. If we looked at the, the, at the I think in the, the, the tabernacle in, 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 in Exodus, uh, I think the tabernacle was worth about 16 billion in today's terms. And then the temple, when the temple was built, somebody's estimated that the temple cost 60 billion. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of, a lot of cash. They, they went into great detail in building the tabernacle and the temple. And it cost a lot. But you and I are the temple. And it cost far more than any monetary value. It cost the blood of Jesus. That we might have life. That we might carry the glory of God. So what is this thing called glory? When Moses was in the desert, he asked the Lord. He wanted to, to, to do, find out. He said to, to, to God, show me your glory. He wanted to know the nature of God. And what did God show him? He let his goodness pass before Moses. The first thing God wanted Moses to know about him, his, to, to know, to yada, to have it in our hearts, to, to not just know about it, but to live it in our hearts, to experience. The first thing he wanted Moses to experience was that God is good. Do you know that today? God is good. doesn't matter where you are today, whatever situation you're facing, God is good. What did Moses, Moses asked God to show him his glory? Jesus asked even more. In John chapter 17, just the most amazing chapter. John chapter 17, Romans chapter 8, Psalm 23, Psalm 16. Oh, they're all my favorite. As you, as you, as you read them, they, they do, the, the word just, just feeds us. In John chapter 17, verse 1, Jesus spoke these words lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, 
that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that you might know him, the one and only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. What a prayer. I mean, it just carries on. You need to, you need to all read this, this for this. Uh, I'll set you all homework. John 17. Read it every day for the next month. For the, for the rest of your life. At the beginning of John 17, yeah, he, he made no reference to the sacrifice that he was about to make for your sin and my sin. His focus was on the final purpose. The result of that sacrifice. What was the result of the sacrifice? It was because of the result of the sacrifice that he endured the cross, that he went through the agony and the pain of hanging on a cross. Because he loves you and I. What was that joy? That joy was his restoration to glory. His restoration to be with his Father. Christ didn't ask to see God's glory but to be glorified with God's glory. The glory he had before the world began. And so, that's what happened. He was glorified. But we need to see the significance of his glorification, his restoration to glory, in the fact that it was our restoration to glory. So on the cross, we died. Where are we seated now? Where are you seated? Yes, you're seated in 11 old main road killets. Yes. But much more than that, you're seated in heavenly places. And you, you and I carry God's glory. Our glory, our restoration to glory, was the joy set before him. So he went to the cross. When he went to the cross, he was thinking of Neil. He was thinking of Amanda. He was thinking of Anthony. He was thinking of Pat. That Pat, that, that all, of, all of us, you and I, would carry his glory. And that's how he could, could stand that. That's how he could go through all that pain and all that suffering. Because he wanted to make us sons and daughters. He wanted to bring many sons and daughters to glory. And so he was excited. He was incredibly excited by what was going to happen. And when you look at the... At the Maybe look at the prodigal son. The prodigal son, you know the story well. He goes off and lives the, the, the life of Riley. He, he, he squanders all his money and he wine woman and song. And he comes to the end of himself and he realizes 
that he's messed it up and he, he comes to his right senses, he comes to his right mind and he repents and he makes the decision to go back home. And what does his father do when he sees him coming from afar? His father runs. His father runs to give him a hug. His father is so excited. He's so filled with joy. He's so filled with joy when one person comes to the kingdom. There's celebrations and parting. When one of us say, yes, we love you. We want to walk with you. Isn't it exciting that we don't have to wait until heaven? We can experience that right now, today. I want to live from that perspective. That perspective that I'm seated in heavenly places. That perspective that I am righteous, that I am holy, that I am forgiven. Every single day. That's who you and I need to live from. That's where we need to live from. So as believers, we're not just called to look forward to this eternal reality, which is true, Jonathan. I know you're always saying you want to go and be uh, with, with the Lord. But we are to live here today from that reality that we are living with Jesus in us. That we are called to bring a bit of heaven onto earth. If then you have been raised with Christ, uh, Colossians chapter 3. If, you have, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of the Father. Set your mind on things above and not things on the earth. For when you died and your, and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with Him in glory. So we need to be thinking heavenly minded. We need to be so heavenly minded that we're earthly good. That we're thinking of Jesus all the time. That, he's, that we're aware of His presence. If you read John chapter 17, you will see it takes a turn and it's about us being glorified. It's about us taking on the, the glory, the glory that uh, the Father gave Jesus, Jesus has given to us. And there's a couple of consequences to that. Oneness, that we might be one. That we, we might be one with the Trinity. Isn't that an amazing concept? We've been talking quite a lot in this year about dancing, the perichoresis of, of God, the, the, where the, the Trinity dances with each other. And we are invited into that dance. We are invited in to participate with God, to walk with Him, to, to enjoy Him, to love Him. The other word that's, that's, that's emphasized in John 17 is joy. And we started off, somebody said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. I can't remember whether it was in the prayer meeting or here. The joy of the Lord is our strength. As we face life, with all its challenges, it's, it's, it's the joy which we need. The Westminster Catechism, what does it say? It says, well, this is what it says about, about the chief end of man, what mankind is meant to do. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Are you enjoying God? Are you enjoying Him forever and ever? 
at the house church this week and at Bible study on Thursday, we looked at this magnificent psalm, Psalm 16. Just beautiful. I'm not going to read all of it, but a few portions. I mean, the lines have fallen in pleasant places for me. You maintain my lot. You are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. I have set the Lord always before me. I have set the Lord always before you. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. If we set the Lord always before us, then we will not be shaken. If we set the Lord always before us, our hearts will be glad. We will be able to sing that song, It is well with my soul. No matter what is happening around us. The last verse, verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. When God is before us, when we are close to Him, there is fullness of joy. Our glory rejoices. What have we got to do? What have we got to do to maintain the joy of our salvation? Yes, we've got to remember. Yes, we've got to look to Jesus, look to God. Yes, we've got to come to the table. Yes, we need to meet together as a fellowship to encourage each other and build each, build each other up. Because as we do that, in God's presence, there's fullness of joy. We don't just sing songs just to, we've got uh, an hour and a half to get through on a Sunday morning. So we have a half an hour of worship and we have breaking of bread and we, we don't. We are people of the presence. We carry God's presence. Wherever you go and I go, we carry God's presence. I need to be, I need to be excited about that. I need that, that, the, the, that the joy would just actually be there for me all the time. C.S. Lewis, what did he say about joy? He said, joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. G.K. Chesterton, man is more himself, man is more manlike when joy is the fundamental thing in him and grief the superficial Man is more himself, man is more manlike when joy is the fundamental thing in him. That's what Jesus went to the cross, that we might be filled with his joy. He might say, well, my life is tough, my life is hard. Well, Jesus' life was pretty tough and pretty hard. You go back and you watch the Passion movie and you go through that and you see what he went through as he went to the cross. And yet it was the joy that was set before him that he managed to endure the cross. So my challenge to myself today is, am I portraying this joy? Am I portraying the, this joy, which is not always a jumping and shouting, and thing, but it's a, there's an inner joy within me, inner joy and inner peace 
which passes all understanding because it's God's presence in me. And there will be times where I jabula. There will be times when I, where I, where I do the dancing. There will be times when, I, when I'm just quiet, but there's just, just peace. So God's purpose in restoring us as sons and daughters and bringing us to himself is nothing less than to bring us into joy. I submit to you today that the level of joy in a person, in a family, in a city, in a nation, and the world is a direct measure of how fully we have stepped into the knowledge and reality of the glory of God. Certainly, if His presence, if in His presence, then there's fullness of joy. If in His presence there's fullness of joy, then our joy reveals the degree to which we have learned to live in His presence. And so it's a A joy to live in His presence. Nothing can take us. Nothing can take you and I away from His presence. Jesus said in John 17 that they they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So we're going to end this service. With a strange song. We're going to end with a song called Joy to the World. I know it's not Christmas, but every day is Christmas because Jesus is born again and he comes and lives in us. And, and every day is a, we, we celebrate his birth every single day. And my prayer, I pray for, I just, let me just, can I just pray? Lord, I I thank you for your presence in us. I thank you for your presence that in your presence there's fullness of joy. And all those who today are feeling down, I ask, Lord, that you would show them and you would show me that you live in me. And because you live in me, there's a joy. So, Jesus, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We ask for the joy of the Lord to be our strength in this week and in the months ahead. Joy to the world. The Savior is born. That's what we celebrate today. Amen. Amen.